Good morning, everyone. Um, this is pretty cool, eh? On a Friday? We should do this every Friday. That would be, that would be nice. Um, I have the, the honour of being able to share with you this morning, um, and I'm really excited about it. Um, I told my girls uh, last night that I was going to be speaking today, and Natalie wanted to know if I was going to be talking about the Easter Bunny. Um, <laughs> And that is what I'm doing. To, no, I'm not. Um, uh, no, no, I said to her, um, I'm going to be talking about the real reason behind Easter, which is? Jesus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I guess I'm going to be following on from Natalia, who spoke last Sunday on the last sayings of Jesus. Um, and over the past, I don't know, how long have we been doing this? Five weeks, four weeks? Forever, just forever. It just goes on, eh? Um, the sermons have all started with the psalm, so I thought I would uh, not deviate from that. Um, and so we're going to start. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Free me from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, God of truth. It's a pretty cool psalm, pretty cool psalm. Essentially, um, it's saying, Lord, you, you never let me down. You hear me when I pray. You are my rock, the constant in my life in this ever-changing world. Protect me from the enemy, for you are strong and I am weak. I give you my life. Save me from my sin as I know that you will. Now, we're going to come back to the psalm at the end of this, at this talk. Um, so I just want you to sort of keep it in the back of your minds. Um, we're, going to come, we're going to come back to it. Um, and now we're, going to, we're just going to flick I'm doing a lot of jumping around, by the way, so uh, just be ready. Be ready. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're going we're gonna to flick back to, um, or forward, to Luke. Luke 23, 44 to 46, which is the main scripture I'm going to be um, reading today. Jesus' death. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. For the sun stopped shining, and the, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. So we're going to just break down this, this passage um, a little bit this morning. Uh, and we're going to start with that, with that first part, which is talking about the, the darkness coming. So it says the sixth hour, um, and so it's the sixth hour um, back in Jerusalem then would have been about twelve would have been about twelve noon, um, and so it's saying from from twelve noon in Jerusalem to about three o'clock, darkness darkness came over the land, uh, the sun stopped shining, uh, and, and and this is when the sun should have been shining its its brightest in the middle of the day. over uh, that meant that the sun was actually 
uh, that the Earth was closest to the sun, closer to the sun than the moon. So that's not that's not a possibility. Um, so there's this kind of supernatural darkness that's coming over the land. Um, and I was, I was thinking about if that happened to us today, if all of a sudden um, the sun stopped shining and darkness came over outside, not just clouds, but complete darkness, um, what would we be thinking? Uh, we'd probably be thinking that potentially there's been some kind of volcanic eruption and we've got ash sort of covering the sky or um, which is becoming another thing which is becoming more and more likely in this world is maybe there's been some kind of nuclear event and we're heading into like a nuclear winter like whatever we'd be thinking we'd be thinking that this is world changing what is happening right now um, and then I was just kind of thinking about well, what, what would they be thinking? They probably wouldn't be thinking necessarily about volcanoes um, or nuclear weapons, uh, I can't imagine, who knows? Um, <laughs> um, but I, I think that what they would have been reflecting on is uh, the Old Testament, uh, the scriptures that they would have known, and when darkness had come over in the past, they probably would have been thinking about the last plague in Egypt. Um, so now we're going to jump to Exodus. I told you we're going to be uh, we're going to be flip flopping around a bit. Uh, so we're going to go to Exodus uh, chapter ten, and we're darkness that can be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand towards the sky, and total darkness covered all of Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else, or even leave his place for three days. Yet all of the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. Man, that's pretty. So it's not just, it's not just a, a, a darkness that you observe, but it says it's a darkness that can be felt. Can you, that, I just can't even fathom what that would be like. And the darkness was so intense that People couldn't even see each other. Um, they couldn't leave their places uh, of rest, probably because they were worried they were going to trip up or um, fall over. Um, yet, and, and the way that it talks about the Israelites having light in their places, um, I, I imagine that um, the, the, the Egyptians at the time uh, were probably trying to light fires and that kind of thing to be able to see, but it just wasn't working. Nothing, nothing could sort of quench this, this darkness. Um, and so, I guess, what's the, what's the significance of this darkness? Um, doing a little bit, of, little bit of research, this has not come from my own brain. Um, <laughs> uh, in the Bible, darkness kind of speaks to two, two things. The first is judgment. Darkness is a biblical sign of God's judgment. And throughout the Old Testament, especially uh, with the prophets, the threat of darkness is a sign of God's judgment. Uh, and in the New Testament, it continues to be a sign of God's judgment. Um, now, we're going to flip to Revelation. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> From the beginning to the end. Um, uh, we are going to be reading from Revelation 16.10. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beasts, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. Men gnawed at their tongues in agony and cursed God of cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, but they refused to repent of what they had done. Uh, and we kind of see this, this theme of, of a lack of repentance as well back in, in Egypt as well. The Pharaoh, after all of this happened, his heart was, his heart was hardened, um, and he continued to... Uh,
darkness theme, um, is the the lack of presence of God or the abandonment of God, uh, God the Father. And we can see this right back in the beginning in Genesis. I'm not going to ask you to jump there because we're you know we're in Revelation. That's a long way to travel. Um, but uh, you know, right at the beginning, it talks about how um, the earth was was formless and it was dark. Um, I'll just read this the scripture. So, so yeah, uh, we're told in the beginning um, that before God sort of created days and nights, um, the earth was formless, it was void, there was darkness over the surface of the deep. The Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Um, and then he creates days, but, but it says before that that uh, this, the earth was in a state of orderless, order, orderlessness. Um, it was chaotic, it was void, it was empty, as it was dark and there was no light. And also through the New Testament we hear about you know, Jesus being called the light, that the, the presence of God is light and the absence of God is, is darkness. So now we're going to go back to Luke, where we started. Well, actually we started in the Psalms, didn't we? where we went second, um, back to Luke. <clears throat> and we'll just, I, just want to read, I just want to read it again, so now that we've kind of got all of that sort of context in the back of our mind. Um, it was now the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining. Man, when you look at it in that context, I wonder if it was the same kind of darkness that they experienced in Egypt, a darkness that you could feel Imagine how um, the soldiers were feeling at this time. Three hours of darkness and uh, the, the question of whether this man that they are crucifying is in fact God. Um, would they have been thinking about their own judgment potentially for what they, what they have done? Um, and, and it's this abandonment of God, this, this absence of the Father um, being there uh, that causes Jesus to say, what James talked about a few weeks ago. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? Why have you left me at this time? On the cross, Jesus faced judgment. He faced abandonment. And not because of anything that he had done. Um, but he received judgment and he was forsaken for us. He received the judgment that we deserved, um, and he was forsaken as we should have been. And then this happens. And the curtain temple was torn in two. Um, the, temple, the temple curtain was this huge thing. It was just like unbelievably long um, and unbelievably high, uh, and it was like four inches thick. Like it was this really, it's almost just like a solid sort of piece of material rather than like the curtains that we have at our, you know, have in our homes, um, which barely keep the light out. Like this, this was a solid, solid thing. Um, and the curtain existed in between the inner place and the Holy of Holies in the temple. And the purpose of the curtain was essentially to create a divide between imperfectness and sin and perfectness, which 
was God. The Holy of Holies contained um, the Ark of the Covenant, which contained the glory of God. And no one could enter uh, the Holy of Holies past the curtain uh, except for the high priest. And even then, he could only enter the Holy of Holies one day a year to atone for the sins of the people through a sacrifice. So the, the, the curtain represents the divide between man and God. And here, just before Jesus commits his life into the hands of God, the temple curtain is torn in two. And it says it's torn from the top to the bottom. So that's higher than people can reach. Like, it had nothing to do with man. The temple curtain was torn um, in a supernatural way, was torn in two. And now, because of this, this, this break in the curtain, there's now no longer this divide between the holy of holies, the glory of God, the perfectness of God, and us, imperfect, sinful people. And the reason is because we now have this perfect high priest who acted as the perfect eternal sacrifice for us, uh, which now means that we have this, this access through to God ourselves through what Jesus did. And then we have these final words of Jesus. Jesus called out in a loud voice. He wanted us to hear this. He called out in a loud voice. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he, as, when he said this, he breathed his last, last breath. And when I, when I read that, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, I see three, three things to that. The first one, for me, really sticks out. Father, it's a word of intimacy. It's the, words, it's the word that my, my children call me. It's the word that I call my, my dad, my father. It's this intimate word and through all of this Jesus being on the cross being in darkness suffering the judgment and the punishment that we deserved um, he speaks to his father intimately for Jesus death is no out of control enemy he's not afraid he's not in fear He knows that his father is there with him and he hands over his spirit to his father. I, I, that, that's another thing I was, just, I was thinking about this morning actually, how even though he suffered um, at the hands of man, his spirit did not go to them because it didn't belong to them. You might say Jesus was, was killed by man, but actually they didn't take his life. He gave his life to the Father. The next part that kind of speaks to me is this, this word of surrender. He gives up his human life into the hands of his Father. And when we see this, um, I don't know if you've caught on, but the last part of that psalm that we started with um, is the same as what Jesus says here. Um, but when we read it in the Psalms and we say, you know, Father, I commit my life, I commit my spirit into you, we see that as life, right? You don't think about, God, I'm going to hand you my spirit and I'm going to die. You think of it, God, I'm going to hand you my spirit and I know that you're going to take care of it. So Jesus hands his spirit 
and then dies so that we can hand our spirit to God and live. Um, it's just, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty profound. And then the next is this, is this, this word of, of trust. He entrusts his life. He commits it to God for safekeeping. Jesus trusts his eternal destiny to the Father. And when we, um, when we entrust our lives to God, uh, everything changes for us. We have a different worldview. Um, everything from our, our life goals through to how we manage our finances to how we interact with our family and our friends through to even the work that we do, um, all changes when we give our life to Christ because we want to follow him, we want to honor him, um, and we want him to, to guide us. Um, there's a huge element of trust in that, right? That we hand our lives over to God. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He's handing his life over to his Father. I want to go back to a little bit what um, Natalia spoke about last week. The, 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 the phrase, it is finished. And the English phrase uh, is translated from the word tetelestai. Um, and the phrase, it is finished, just doesn't do it justice. Um, tetelestai comes from the word teleo. And teleo is um, the, the Greek word that you would use when you've completed something. So if you've climbed Mount Everest, you'd say teleo. Or if you finished your diploma, you'd say teleo. Um, whereas tetelestai is not something that you have completed. It is something that you have finished and will continue to be finished. It'll have an impact going forward. So it is finished then, it is finished now, and it will be finished um, I can't even think of an example. The only example that I could really think of was like the birth of a, of a child, right? Um, you give birth, but it's not finished. <laughs> you continue to have this child that grows up and, you know, you look after them. And, um, but even that, right, you've got 100 years if you're lucky. Um, and then it kind of finishes, you know. I mean, you've got the, the memories and, and um, you know, whatever the impact that person had in the world, but, but it kind of finishes. Whereas... When Jesus says it is finished, it is the ultimate, the ultimate definition of tetelestai. It means that it was finished back then. It is finished now, and it will always continue to be finished. Um, when I was in university, um, I started to like process some of the stuff that I experienced throughout high school and my childhood. And there was one thing in particular that really hurt me and really broke my heart. And every time I thought about it, I had this overwhelming anxiety and just like heartbreak and, um, and pain. And I had just been, I'd just been praying about it so much. Just, God, would you just come? Would you bring me healing? Um, you know, healing to my heart, bring me emotional healing. Lord, help me to process, process this, help me to move through it. Um, and then I also, you know, I moved to the angle of, you know, praying against the enemy for, you know, trying to attack me with this. And I just, I just whatever I did for years and years, I just couldn't overcome this, this feeling of brokenness. And um, I ended up going to one of our pastors at, at the church that we were at in Auckland, a Baptist church. And um, I just sort of explained to him and he said, yeah, I'll, I'll pray with you. And I was like, yes. Yeah, 
I'm going to have the Holy Spirit come, and it's going to overwhelm me with this awesome feeling, and I'm just going to, you know, it's just going to wash it all away, and it's going to be great. And um, I spoke to him, and I said, you know, this is what's going on. He's like, okay, prayed, and he asked the Holy Spirit to come. And we just sat there in silence for like an hour, and um, nothing happened. And he was like, you know, do you want to come back next week, and we can pray again? And I was like, yep. Um, and so went back, and we did the silence of just asking God to come. Um, and it went on for like two months, and nothing really happened um, that I could physically feel. But God was doing something much, much deeper, much more permanent for me. Um, I was walking uh, to university after this. Uh, I remember walking up this hill through Albert Park, and I was just listening to random worship music, and the song came on um, by a band called The Rock Music. And um, the song was called Nothing Left to Pay. And the lyrics went like this. The devil's gone now. He left you broken, worn down. But Jesus is your home now. And there's nothing left to pay. Breathe in calm now. Your future's set in stone now. Because Jesus won your soul now. There's nothing left to pay. And I think it was the word now in that that did something to me. I, I remember just being so overwhelmed listening to the song that I had to just kind of like sit down and just, you know, um, just, just take a take a break. Like I was, I, I just was just so impacted by it, and I think it was the spirit moving my heart away from Taleo that this thing was done to to Telestai. This thing was done, and it is done, and it will continue to be done. And I think that's probably one of the biggest lies that the devil would try to seek us to believe is that it was done, it was done. But it's up for debate now, you know. But actually, it's not up for debate. Because to Telestai, Jesus said it is finished. It was done, it is done, and it will always be done. Um, that's something I always have to remind myself of when I, when I fall into sin or when I... Um, have doubts um, or question my worthiness. Uh, it's, this, it's this thing that Jesus said that it is finished. It is tetelestai. So now um, we're going to jump back to um, the psalm that we started with. And that's what we're going to finish on this morning is that psalm. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. How true is that? Because of what he did, because he said it is finished, he said to Telestai, we will never be put to shame. And we are delivered in his righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. He hears us just as Jesus had this intimate moment with his father on the cross where he gave him his life. We too, as brothers and sisters of Christ now, uh, get to have an intimate relationship with our father. And he is our rock and our refuge and he has come to our rescue. 
And since you are my rock and my fortress for the sake of your name, lead me and guide me. Free me from the trap that is set for me. And for me, when I read this, the trap that is set for me is the trap that would convince me that it is not finished for me. Free us from that, Lord. And into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. And we get to commit our spirit to the Father in life because Jesus committed it in death. So I just want to, uh, I'm just going to pray and I just want to, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to pray and, um, yeah, I'm just going to pray. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the intimacy that we have with you as our Father, our Lord, our King. I thank you that we can take refuge in you and that because of what your Son did for us on the cross, in him, because of his blood, that temple curtain was torn, that we have access to you that we get to experience your glory in all of its fullness. And God, I thank you that the darkness was won over by your son, for he is light. And Lord, I just pray right now for, for our hearts to fully comprehend to Telestai. Lord, that if there is anyone here this morning that does not believe that what Jesus did on the cross for them 2,000 years ago applies now, that your Holy Spirit would come right now into their hearts and their minds and would bring incredible change. I pray, Lord, that you would flip lives around through an understanding of true understanding of the implications of what you did for us on the cross, us here in 2022. Hmm. Amen.